Tonight we're going to do we're going to do two very short two very short maimarim very very short discourses that are very insightful but they're very unique because they're short it's not the usual style of maimarim that they are long concepts these are this is taken from Sefer Mamore Admor Hazakin Parshas Vayera. I made copies, but I'm going to start with the second one and then I'm going to go back to the first one. So they're kind of you know, they're very special, but short and sweet. Here we go. So we're starting, this one is in Memore Admar Azokin Dav Kuf Chav Dalid, page 124. You have it in the copies that I made. It, uh, you have it on the second, on page number three. Erdono is on page number three, on the top of the page. Kuf Chav Dalid. This is talking about when Hashem's, um, when Stom and Amora, after the three angels come to visit Avram Avinu, they go on to the, they go on to destroy Sedaim. So when the Pasuk is beginning to describe how Hashem decided to, uh, Destroy the to destroy the five cities, Sodom and Amor and so forth. It says that the people were very very cruel, and uh, their cries reached the heavens. It says that the Hashem said, "I will go down, and I will see if it is really so that the cries that have come to me about the cruelty." about the cruelty of the land, if it is really true that the, uh, that the way it has been reported to me, uh, then I will have to punish. And then afterwards it describes how Avram Avinu stepped up and Avram Avinu began a powerful defense of these very wicked people of Sodom. And Avram actually starts bargaining with God trying to defend and protect the people of Sodom and to make sure that uh, Hashem, Hashem would not do it. In the end, his bargaining didn't work uh, because even what he asked for, he couldn't find. He asked if there's just a few righteous people, may they save the entire city. So this discourse is going to deal with both the strange phrase where it says, God says, Hashem says, I will descend and I will see. What does that mean, I will go down? Hashem is everywhere. Why does it mean he's going down to see? That's number one. The other thing that the Alter Rebbe has a problem with, a good question, is it seems like Avram Avinu is speaking very disrespectfully to God. If you look how, how, Hashem, how Avram Avinu addresses Hashem and he says, this is forbidden to you. This is like how horrific, how... That, that, that you're going to do something like this to kill innocent people. 
will the judge of the entire land, will he not do judgment correctly? It doesn't seem like it is fitting to speak that way to Hashem. And the Alter Rebbe makes the question stronger. We find that Moshe Rabbeinu also spoke up in defense. And Moshe didn't speak up in defense of the people of Sodom. Moshe spoke up in the defense of the Jewish people when he was upset how Hashem seemingly mistreated the Jews in Egypt. And Moshe Rabbeinu was punished because of that, that he couldn't go into Eretz Yisrael. That was the first reason, the first time there's an indication that Hashem was letting Moshe Rabbeinu know that in the end you won't go into the promised land. Later it was actualized by Moshe Rabbeinu hitting the rock, but it started already in Egypt. In Mitzrayim that Hashem said, you're not, he hinted to him that you're not going to go in. Why? Because he spoke disrespectfully. Avram Avinu seems to be um, challenging Hashem and speaking even more disrespectfully than Moshe did. And how come Avram Avinu gets away without any punishment for the way he spoke? That's his question. So let's begin. Erdeno Hashem says, I will go down ve'er and I will see haktzakosa. Is it true the cry that they cry to me? Is it really this way? And if I'll see that it is, I will destroy them. Larshan erdeno pelo'i. The, the sound on the third page, the 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 lushen, the the wording I will descend, pelai seems to be a pele. Pele means it's wondrous. Like what does it mean? I will go down. Isn't Hashem everywhere? also what it says. that Avram stepped up close, and he says This is completely unbefitting to you. Imagine you say that to God. It's unbefitting to you. to do something like this. It looks like he is he's, he's, he's uh, speaking um, means uh, something like being uh, fresh with God being uh, being a that's the idea he's disagreeing with Hashem all that Moshe Rabbeinu said is why did you do bad to your people that Paro made it harder for the Jewish people. After Hashem said Moshe Rabbeinu to take the Jewish people out, it only got worse. So what happened to Moshe Rabbeinu? Nenash Moshe was punished. And the Abishter says to Moshe Rabbeinu as a response, Now you will see what I will do to Egypt. The emphasis over there was, Now you will see. But you will not see the future, which means what I will do to the later enemies of the Jewish people, you won't see because you're going to have to pass away before that's going to happen. And initially it wasn't supposed to be that way. Moshe was supposed to take them out of Egypt and bring them into Eretz Yisrael. Why did Moshe Rabbeinu forfeit it? The beginning of that was because he spoke disrespectfully to Hashem by saying, how can you do something like this? Well, Moshe didn't say to God these words, it is not fitting for you to act this way, and so on and so forth. He looks like he's speaking to his uh, student. It's like a teacher getting upset at her student, saying, how dare you do this? Or a parent speaking to a child, and here Avram is speaking to Hashem in such a brazen way. It seems not to make any, like how, 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 how does that happen? But you will not see when they go into Eretz Yisrael. And Hashem is upset at him. Why did he question God? 
You know, after all, you know that Hashem, whatever Hashem does is just. Moshe Rabbeinu himself says it in Parshas Azinu, um, Kale or whatever the Lashon over there, Ve'ein Avel, that there is no, there's nothing that Hashem Chas V'Shalom does that is, that is unjust. And, and yet, because of his slight questioning of God, he was punished. Well, at first glance, Avraham Diber Kashais Yoiser, Avram spoke even in a harsher way. And when he says to Hashem, it's unbefitting to you to act this way. We don't find that Avram Avinu was punished for this at all. You can learn in Svarim every kind of answer to this question. But I guarantee you, the answer that he gives over here is completely, completely unexpected. This is like a whole different dimension of an answer. So what does he say? Well, what is the answer, how the Alter Rebbe answers this question of why Avram Avinu was not punished? The Yuvan. So this will be understood by first understanding how Hashem judges the world, how Hashem operates in, in um, deciding right from wrong, and as a result of that judging and administrating both reward and punishment. So how does it work? By first providing a certain analogy, a marshal, a based on what it says in the Pasuk, there is a concept called bribery, right? So you're not allowed to bribe anybody. A judge is not allowed to accept the bribe. Why is a judge not allowed to accept the bribe? Because the Torah says you're not allowed to. But in this case, actually, the Torah gives a reason. The Torah says because if you take a bribe, you will definitely misjudge. You definitely will not judge it accurately because the bribe is going to tilt your mind in seeing things in, the, in favor of the one who bribed you. So it actually says, the Pasuk says, that bribery blinds the rabbi. It blinds the judge. So the question over here, this is a judge. The judge is, let's say, a righteous person. Okay. And, okay. He says, you're not allowed to take a bribery. But if the Torah would not have forbidden bribery, let's say the Torah would not have forbidden bribery, so it wouldn't be a problem. But it says it's still a problem. What's the problem? The problem is that it's going to, the reason you're not allowed to take bribery is because it's going to blind you. So now, of course, if a judge takes bribery, then the judge is corrupt because the Torah says you're not allowed to take bribery. But had the Torah not said you're not allowed to take bribery, then what would be wrong if the judge does take a bribe, meaning does take money? And let's say he's, an, he's, a, he's a decent person, he, and that's why he's a judge, because he's an elevated human being, he's a rabbi, and he knows, hopefully he knows the halacha, and how is he going to judge? He's going to judge based on the law, whatever it says in the books. If he's following the books, so how can he go wrong? You're right. If he's a corrupt person, even before the bribery. If he's just a corrupt person before the bribery, then I understand that if you give him a bribe, he's not going to follow what it says in the books. He's going to do what his heart desires to make you win. So next time you'll bribe him even more. Or you'll give him a reward for what you've done. Okay, so this is a corrupt person. But the Torah seems to be saying that even an honest person who is not corrupt, we're saying do not accept a bribe, because the bribe is going to blind you that you're not going to judge 
fairly. Why? I'm judging based on the law. I'm hearing the story. I'm hearing the facts. Then I'm applying what it says in Torah regarding to these facts. If I'm following that, I'm not just innovating an answer. If I'm innovating an answer, okay, since you gave me the money, I'll figure it out your way. But I'm following the text. There is guidelines. This so, so, and so, so, the law is he has to pay. So, so, and so, if these are the facts, he doesn't have to pay. So if I'm following the law, what's the problem? So the answer is, two people can look at the same text and come to a different conclusion based on what they want to see. That's just the way it is. Let's first see the question. He's asking, the judge the judge is not judging He's following what it says in the book. So why would there be a problem? What's the answer? Once your heart, the bribery creates a relationship. Because now you like this person because he gave you money, whatever. So now you feel an affection, a love, uh, whatever, uh, an attachment to this person. Once your heart is attached, what's going to happen? As impartial as this person is going to try to be, and he's going to try to look at it completely objectively, it doesn't work that way. Why? He's going to, it's going to appear to the person differently than had he not received the bribe. Mamish. It's going to appear as if this person is innocent. Why? Because in every situation, if you're judging something with your intellect, you can always bend any, 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 um, any, tr- any uh, evidence, any story, any reality. You can view it in 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 in, in many ways. Yeah, so far when I think you're manipulating, you, you, you're, you're, even without manipulation. The facts of any given situation could be, tilt, could be seen with a good eye or the negative eye. That's always the case. Two people are judging a story. One person sees the beauty of the, the other person right away sees the criticism. What was lacking, what was bad. Right? They, they, uh, you know, you, 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 some people, you know, you give someone a, a good piece of cake and someone sees how, the, how good it is and the other one will point out, but it's a little, the texture is a little, something a little. It's always, you know, as you say, the pessimist and the optimist, how you see things. People see things differently. If you desire, you will turn it into a guilt. You'll turn it into a, a, a negative. How this is something that should never be done. But if you want, you're going to vindicate it. And you're going to see it intellectually. How this action itself is not in any way a, a, a negative thing. Quite on the contrary, you can see it in a positive way. Right now, they're busy in the United States with impeachment. It's the same story. It's being analyzed. There's a spin on the news. Watch Fox News and watch CNN. 
Same story, same evidence coming in. CNN is seeing it completely as the most horrific crime the president has done. Fox News, terrific. He's dealing with Ukraine. They're a corrupt society. He needed to clean things up over there. I don't know if you listen, if you've been paying attention the last two days to what's going on. Those who want to see him, the Republicans who want to see him innocent, see him innocent. The Democrats that want to see him guilty, see him guilty. And they'll, bo- and they'll make arguments. They'll both make passionate arguments. And when you're listening just to one side, it actually makes sense what they're saying. When you listen to the other side, it also makes sense what they're saying. It's how, because before they approached it, these, want, these people wanted to see him as innocent, and these want to see him out of office. And therefore, they're seeing every action of his in the negative. So that's just the way you're seeing it. And we're going to see that that's true not just in, because of human fallacy, human weakness. We will see that that applies also in the spiritual realms above, even up to Hashem himself. That the way the Hashem wants to see it, that's the way in his mind it will tilt. So it's not always just pure objective facts, because the facts itself, the 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 um, the the, the, uh, the the consequence, the the uh, the uh, what what comes out of this could be different. As we're going to see, that's why we know that you can't have a court, in a Jewish court, you don't have one judge, you have at least three judges. Why do you have three judges? Because one of them is going to look with a critical eye, the other one is going to look with a very kind eye, and therefore one is going to see it completely towards innocent, the other one is going to see it completely towards guilt, and then you have the third judge whose job is kind of to, to come up with the middle way of seeing it and kind of integrate what both. Are you going to say, how are you going to make sure that in every case where there's three judges, you're going to end up with two ju- one, one who, who gives you the, who, who sees it to the positive and one who sees it to the negative? That's already kind of the way I probably when Hashem is creating these combinations, being that everything in the world is created with chesed, gvura, and Teferis at the middle, so it just turns out that way. When you have a combination of people, you have different types of people getting together, and those that are always looking with a more favorable way, and those that look harsh. That's why you can't have an even Beisdin. Pachis Megimel, never have less than three. Because one of them, all of his striving is to save this, this person and to find him to be, and to vindicate him. Vahabez and the second guy, Pehapach is the opposite. Vahagimel and the third one, Machria, will kind of um, come to the, the middle ground. It's not emotion. What he's saying is that it's not a purely emotional thing. Oh, this is my friend and I love him. This is my enemy and I hate him. And therefore, I'm, I'm going to disregard what my mind says, and I'm just going to do what I want to. You see, it, uh, go back to the, to the impeachment process that's happening now. It's not that, you know, Republicans are disregarding all the facts that they're hearing, and they're just saying, we like him, and therefore we're going to defend him. Or the Democrats are disregarding all the facts, and they hate him, and they're just going to follow their emotions, notwithstanding the fact that he's innocent. It's not that way. 
It's not people disregarding their intelligence. It's their intelligence itself is the, the logical conclusions that they are reaching is this form of a logic. They're seeing guilt and they're seeing innocence. Logically, intellectually, not emotionally. Obviously, the emotions that are there are pulling on the mind. That's the idea. It's the previous, it's your previous take on this person and so on and so forth that is already setting the tone of how you're going to approach the judging of this, of this scenario. It's depending on which eye of your mind, yabit. The mind itself has two eyes, a right eye and a left eye. Which eye are you looking? Your compassionate eye or kind eye or critical eye? Which eye is being looked? In ba'ayin tova, if you're looking with a good eye, or ba'ayin ra, or with a the negative eye, meaning to, to find negativity and find problems. Now we find this, here's the amazing thing. He says this applies to Hashem as well. Where do we find this? Kimatsinu gam lamaila, we find it is above. Shemitchila nemar, it's amazing. This is just such an amazing illustration for this. It says that right in the beginning, after a thousand years of history, Hashem is very angry and frustrated with the human race. Hashem is judging the world and his judgment is leading him to rage and anger to the point where he completely wants to wipe out all of humanity. What's the logic that God gives? What's the logic the Torah says that Hashem used to say, let's destroy man? It says one thing, I'm going to destroy man. Man's heart is evil from when he's very young. That means from when he's born, he's already scheming, he's becoming extremely selfish, self-absorbed, and, and corrupt. That's what Hashem is saying. And therefore, human, ra- human beings stand no chance, I'm, I'm going to wipe them out. Why? Because they're born bad. That's what God says. That's the reason. Then the mabel comes, and Hashem executes this judgment. And after the mabel, Noah comes out, and Noah offers karbonos. After he offers karbonos, you see God again reasoning amongst himself. And Hashem makes, makes, a, makes a covenant with Noah, with the human race. And he says to Noah, I'm never going to destroy the world again. And what's the reason? And it goes into God's mind, into Hashem's mind. What's the reason Hashem decides, I am not going to destroy the world? Hear this, what does the Pasuk say? Ki leiv ha'adam ra Because the the Yetzirah, the Yetzirah of man is evil from when he's very young. And therefore, it's not the human fault. Because he didn't stand a chance. As soon as he's born, he has already a Yetzirah. He's already been tugged to the wrong side. So you can't hold man responsible because he's already corrupted as soon as he's born. So therefore, I can't blame him and I'm not going to do this ever again. So what's the reason it's given for not destroying humans ever again, the human race. The very same reason, because man is corrupt from the beginning. So let's, now, now the question is, is this notion that human beings are drawn to corruption from the moment they're born, is that a reason to annihilate man? Or is that a, a reason to, to uh, support the human and, and, and give him another chance? Depends on what mood you're in. <laughs> If you're in a grumpy mood, 
then that's a reason to destroy everybody. If you're in a very happy mood, then that's, you know, okay, people are people. They're, they have challenges. And they're born this way. And what did Noah do? He bribed Hashem. When Noah offered sacrifices, he kind of took away the harsh judgments and revealed the kind eye above. Above, there are two eyes as well. How do we know there are two eyes? We're created in the image of God. And we have two eyes, a right eye and a left eye, which also applies to the mind. We can see things right-sided, which means in a kind view. We can see things left-eyed and with a harsh view. So the, after the first thousand years of history, Hashem was looking at the world in a very begrudging way. And therefore, the reason, the, the idea that people are corrupt from their very beginning was a reason to destroy the world. When Noah came and sweetened the judgments, in other words, he, 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 he brought a, obviously it was after Hashem let out his wrath already, destroyed the world, so the whole situation was different. But when Noah came and removed that wrath and kind of befriended Hashem, so to speak, find favor in Hashem's eyes through the Karbanas, Hashem was looking at the human being with a kind eye. And when you're looking from the kindness of your mind, then that very same reason that would justify destruction is now calling for compassion and tolerance and, and patience. So let's see. The Pasuk says, In the beginning, Hashem became sad in his heart. And he said, I will destroy the human being. Why did he say, should I destroy? Because the Yetzer, the inclination of the thoughts of his heart, is only bad. I, 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 I can't expect much good to come out of the human being because he's always scheming bad. His inclination is towards bad. So when I, this, this whole enterprise is not going to be too profitable. So let's put an end to it. That was the reason at the end of Bereshis. We read the next chapter, when the Hashem smelled the, 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 the smell of the, of the karbonos, Shehikriv Noach that Noach offered, Vinim Hagvuros, and those harshness became sweetened. This very argument became a merit. But Omri, what does it say? Vayinochem Hashem reconsidered. And what was the reason of his reconsidering? Because man's inclination is bad from a very young state. Pidish, the Imkain, and if so, I think it has to be, is missing a word over here. In Bechlal, in these books, in these Masei from Amarim, there's a lot of misprints. Ain, I think you have the word Ain, you have to add the word Ain. Ain all of Ashma Klal. There is no guilt on the human for, for, for being corrupt, because his natural tendency from when he's born is already to be bad. And therefore, we can't hold him, account, uh, uh, we can't punch him. Because Hashem was then judging with a good eye. What do I mean a good eye? With a compassionate eye. 
in the beginning, in Parshas Bereshis, Hashem also knew this. But because the general disposition of God at that time was leaning to the left side, which is Gevura, so Hashem was looking from with a very critical eye, with a very scrutinizing eye. This itself is, is, is guilt. It's like the famous story of the Bardichever. The holy Bardichever was once looking out of the window and he saw one of the Yidden in the, in the shul, in the minion, that was during davening, he's wearing his talus and his tefillin, and he's uh, um, went outside because he had a, you know, maybe he was waiting after Chazar Sashatz, he was waiting for the Chazan to start again, whatever. He ran out, or maybe it was a middle Chazar Sashatz, and he would, instead of, he said, you know, I don't have to say, I'm going to say Amin by Mincha already, by Shachras, I don't have to. Whatever it was, he was in a rush, he ran out while he was wearing his, and he was greasing the wheels of his wagon with his talus and his tefillin. Now to stand there next to the horses and to grease the, the wheels of the wagon is extremely, extremely disrespectful. So the Berdichever looks at this and he lights up and he says, Kashem, take a look. You got these most amazing Jews. Even in the midst of greasing the wheels of their wagon, they're doing their work even while they're doing mechanical work on their, on their, on their you know. <laughs> he, he still remembers his talus and his tefillin. That was the way the Berdichever saw it. Now, everybody else would look at that and say, disgusting. In the middle of, in the middle of davening? You, you do, you know, well, what's this? It's almost as bad as texting during davening. Ah! Right? Ah, you're davening. Or you can say, wow, it's so beautiful. People are so busy today, all day long. And yet, even in the middle of texting, they come to daven. That's awesome. Right? Depends how you're, how you're looking at the situation. You can see it this way. You can see it that way. That's what you want to see. It all depends on which way you're, 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 you're inspecting it. And so it will lean, as we see, we're going to see, he's going to emphasize it, not just emotionally, but also intellectually. And the reason is, Vahatam, and the reason is, Ki hadas, koilel, chesed, and gvura. We know there are three powers of the mind. The right side of the mind is called chachma, wisdom. The left side of the mind is called bina. And then there is the middle called das. And das, which is knowledge, includes within itself both chesed and gvura. Das splits to two. From the das comes kindness and comes judgment, comes severity. That's why we know the tefillin that we wear. Tefillin is really attaching your brain to God's brain. You're plugging in, you're synchronizing your brain to Hashem's brain. We know that the tefillin has four compartments and four partials. Even though in Hashem's brain, a brain only has three compartments. Chachma bin Adas. So how come our tefillin has four? So it's explained because Chachma and Bina are two. And Das is also two. The reason why Das is two, because Das splits towards the emotion, because Das is really what energizes the emotions. And the two primary emotions are either attraction or contraction. So attraction is more love and openness and kindness. Contraction is more rigidity. rigidity. You react to something in a, very, in a very harsh way, in a closed way. 
And those are the two reactions coming from the Das. Since the Das incorporates Chesed and Gevura, so the mind itself can lean, can, 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 can be filled with kindness, or can be, if it's tilting towards the Chesed side, or the mind can tilt towards the Gevura, towards the, the disciplining side, towards the um, critical side, and therefore analyze everything in a far more critical way. And that's both, it's already in the mind. So he says, From the very same seichel, from the very same idea, there can be two, two leanings, for kindness, or for harshness. And it's understood for the, to those who understand, these two midos, these two emotions of kindness and severity, that come from the das, that are derived from the das, from the element of knowledge, they're not pure emotion. They are the midos, the emotions, while they're still in the intellect. That means they're they are energies within the intelligence. And therefore, it's not just, again, as he's going to explain in a moment, sometimes a person is such a good friend with someone. Someone's like, I'm, I'm, I'm a, a parent. A parent loves their child. So even if the parent knows clearly that their child was guilty in a certain situation, the, child, the parent might decide, because of their love of their child, to not to punish their child or not to do because I love my child, therefore I'm just going to overlook. I'm not saying it's good parenting, but that's just the, the possibility that a person will follow their emotions or someone can find out that their friend is something, but you know what, they're my friend, so I stick up for them. Even though at the very moment I know that my friend did something really bad and should not be uh, excused, or not, but you know what, they're my friend and I'm, I'm not looking at whatever. So that means that intellectually, I see guilt emotionally. But here we're talking about something else, as we mentioned earlier. It's where the emotions are originating in the mind and therefore they're influencing the mind, tilting what we might think as objective truths, objective analysis, to be, as you say, a little subjective, bending in this way based on how you want to see it. And how you want to see it is based on your emotional disposition at that time. Meaning to say, the shinui, the change, is in the intelligence itself. When it's leaning towards kindness, that means that you conceive in your mind that the person is innocent. And when it's leaning towards din, towards judgment, is where you find and when you how the person is, is guilty. In a sense, you might say that you can have, it would be the difference of coming to Avram Avinu and Yitzchak Avinu. Avram is the epitome of kindness. Yitzchak is the epitome of discipline. So if a person would come to Avram Avinu, Avram could find in the worst person, Avram can find how this person is deserving for love and for kindness. You saw how Avram Avinu takes these Arabs in these are Arabs, they bow down to the dust of their feet, and yet Avram Avinu is like, wow, they're human, he's so excited to have them, and he's gone. 
Yitzchak was a whole different story. Arabs who bowed down to the dust and their feet didn't step close to Yitzchak's tent if they knew what's good for them. Yitzchak had a whole different approach. Yitzchak was the most... So a student, Yitzhak, Yitzhak can find the fault in the most perfect, how Esav got away with it, that's already a whole different story. But, 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 but Yitzhak essentially, right, is, is, is a little tiny, can find uh, the, 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 the tiniest imperfection in the most perf- perfect situation. He can see that this, yeah. So that's it. He's seeing the guilt. It's not the emotions of the heart. In the heart too, there is kindness and, and, and gevura and strictness. In the heart, they're completely different. In, in the case where a person is emotionally, um, emotionally favoring, so that's in a case where Intellectually, there is no change. Whether into kindness, believe, when you're in, or you're in a strict state. The, in a case, he gives the example. You know in your mind clearly that this person is guilty, but, by way of, but nevertheless, regarding to how you, you're going to release the verdict of how you're going to decide to um, act upon this situation is you might decide, as we said earlier, I couldn't care less how bad or wrong this person is. I'm, I'm not going to pay attention to that. Why? Because I love them. You decide to do kindness to him. Let it be so that what? That they don't deserve it. I don't want to punish. I don't want to do that. And because I don't want to do that, I'm not doing that. Umidus is the opposite. Sometimes it's a case where you know the person is innocent. Sometimes you have, you know, a, a case where it's a, such a clear case where the person is innocent, and yet because you want to get them, because you dislike them, you, you know, they did to Rubashkin. You know, he didn't deserve it. They went and they threw the thing at him 27 years. Why? She was an anti-Semite, this judge. And she wanted to harm him. That's it. Didn't make a difference what the facts are. So, take it. And therefore, you're going to find the person guilty. Again, not intellectually. Just going to follow, you're just going to act based on the emotions. That's when, that's on the level of, of the heart. But again, he's not speaking about that. He's talking on a more subtle level where it's not that you're just doing what you want to do. You really want to do what's right, but you're seeing it differently because you're looking differently. The emotions that are still connected, they're being drawn from the level of das. What does it mean over their kind? You're turning it around while it's still in the mind. And that you're coming up with the most brilliant explanations, that the person is not that the person is not guilty. And the opposite is also in the level of Gavura. The Gavura that's in the Das is the opposite. It will look in, and 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 perceive and understand 
the, the situation in a very critical way. It will look at the, at, at the idea to find guilt. And it will convince itself that that's the only way of seeing it. This, this is the way it is. For sure the person is guilty. Now watch this. This is why when David HaMelech is requesting Hashem's compassion, one of the things David HaMelech says, V'zehu shabikesh David, David is requesting from Hashem, Milfanecha mishpati yetze. We say it, we constantly say it on Rosh Hashanah. We say, and David HaMelech, it's, the one who coined this phrase is David HaMelech. From before you, let my, judge, let my judgment issue forth. In front of you, God. What did he want? So he's in explaining like this. David HaMelech wasn't asking Hashem for a pass. He wasn't saying, I sinned, I did bad, but disregard that and just favor me. David HaMelech was saying, judge me from the front of you. What does that mean? In the systems above, there's many judges. There's heavenly tribunals. There are many levels of judgment above. One of those judges is a Beisden. And in the Beisden itself, there's levels and levels of courts and courts and courts. Above them all, there is in Hashem, there is Hashem judging. And in Hashem himself, there is the, the lower levels of, of Hashem called Shekhinah. And we'll soon see, from the level of Shekhinah, Hashem is far more involved in the world, far more engaged, and therefore far more judgmental. When we go higher to Hashem himself, to what's called Yutke Vavke, the name of... Over there, there is kinder and kinder and kinder and kinder and kinder until in, in the innermost of Hashem, there is only kindness. And when Hashem sees, when Hashem is judging from that transcendental place of that very, very high place, everything is... Everything is always seen with abundant kindness. The ultimate good eye is Hashem's eye. Talk about Avram Avinu, talk about Hashem's eye, the essence of goodness. On the lower levels of Malchus, of Shekhinah, God gets caught up, so to speak, with creation. And therefore, his, it like, there is much more judgments. Malchus is full of judgments. But higher than that is not, is not full of judgments. So David HaMelech says to Hashem, Let my judgment be judged in front. I'm not asking you for a pass. I just want you to be the judge. It's like we say, Avinu Malkein. You know, Hashem be... We want you to... Avinu Malkein. Let our father be our judge. And if our father is judging, he will judge differently. As he explains over here, I mean, David HaMelech is not saying to Hashem, you know, um, what is it called? Uh, um, give me a pardon. I'm guilty, but pardon me. He's not saying that. He's not asking, He's not asking that Hashem should overlook the din, the judgment, and to do an extra kindness. No, he's saying just judge me from your good eye. Sharei mishpat. How do you know that David Melech wasn't asking that? Because he's saying milfanecha mishpati. 
What does mishpat mean? Mishpat means what I deserve. Mishpati means my, my, my judgment. So he's not, he doesn't want to take it outside of the world of judgment. He's not saying, you know, let's dismiss judgment and let's just be kind. No, he says, my judgment. Judgment means giving someone based on what? Based on their virtue, based on what they deserve. But I want you to look at it from your special eye in which my, my judgment is going to be much, 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 much lighter, if you can say. It should go out from you yourself. Because you, since you, Hashem is filled with compassion. You will see my situation completely different than if, the, if it's being judged by some tribunal of, of angels or so on and so forth who are looking and seeing things in a much more, in a harsher way. The Eitzei Zakai, and I will go out, I will go out um, guiltless, I will go out innocent. If you will look with a negative eye, and that's why, by the way, it says an amazing thing. The way we judge others during our lifetime, if we train that our, our right if we reserve the critical eye to ourselves, we turn the critical eye on ourselves, and our gentle eye, our right eye, our eye of kindness, is what we are always giving others. We're always judging people with the benefit of the doubt. We're always, in every situation, finding the bright side in other people to always look for the good. Then that's the way when we come before judgment, then we're being judged the same way. Because whatever a person... Every way, every way a person behaves, that's the way. So if we always look that way, Hashem too looks at us with that positive eye and therefore finds in every situation always the innocence. If we're always looking at people critically, then we evoke that on ourselves as well. Yes? Yeah. That's a, that's a teaching from the Balshemtiv, really. Hey, Balshemtiv didn't use the term video, but but that idea, and, and you don't know that it's yourself, and you and the person gives a psak, yeah. Yeah. That's the idea. Ukenoida, and as it is known, on the third page, Ukenoida, as it is known, on the bottom of the first Amit. Kenoida sheyesh beiz einen. There are two eyes. Echod michesed, one with kindness. The echod megvura, one with gvura. The, 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 the fifth Chabad Rebbe, Reb Shalom Doiv Ber, once told his son, he asked him a question. How come we have one, eye, one nose, one mouth, but we have two eyes? I mean, actually, we have two ears too, but he, he asked him why we have two eyes. And then he explained his kid was, his son was a little, a little the son later was the, was the Friediger Rebbe, the previous Rebbe. So how come? So he told his son like this. He says, because we have a right eye and a left eye. 
And there are certain things we have to look at with the right eye, and there are certain things we have to look at with our left eye. He says, on another Jew, you're always supposed to look on with your right eye. And on a candy, you have to look with your left eye. In other words, you have to give yourself all the reasons why you don't need the candy, why whatever, and so on and so forth. That's the training that we have to... In any case, there are two eyes. One eye is chesed, the, 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 the vision of kindness. And one is from gvura, critical eye. But, that's one level where there are two eyes. Then when we go deeper into the Ein Sof, when we're going higher and higher to the higher levels of the infinite, over there, the less judgment, the less judgment, the less judgment, you're coming to levels where everything is pure, infinite compassion and infinite kindness. It says, like we say in Davening, we say, Pekach Einecha, open up your eye. Now it should have said, Pekach Einecha, with in the plural, which means open your eyes. We say open your eyes and see. So the the Zohar says that the Pasuk says in singular, not in. So the Zohar says because we're dealing with a very high level, and on that level there's only one eye. And what's the one eye? It's the eye of Chesed. There's no Gvura there. As we say in general, lace, there's a, there's a Lashen in Zohar, lace smala bahi atika. And the level of atik yomin, which is the ancient of days, which is keser, which is the infinite, over there there's no left, there's no din, there's only judgment, there's only, I'm sorry, there's only kindness and only compassion. So the Zohar says the words pekach einecha is with one yud. The Alter Reb over here in parentheses says, but we have a problem. Because in the Pasuk it's actually written with two yuds. So then he brings an interesting thing. He says that you find that we would think that if there's one thing that we can rely on, and a text that's an accurate, perfect text, and that there's no arguments regarding what we're when, it's the Torah, because that's the Masorah, everybody knows. No, you find sometimes, even Rashi, for instance, you find that Rashi says the world is spelled without a Yud, and then we look at our Sefer Torahs, and it's with a Yud. So the same is also the, the certain phrases in the Zohar, where the Zohar refers to certain things in the Torah, which the way we have our Masorah, it's written differently. This is one of them. In the Zohar's text of Torah, it said, Pekach Necho with one eye. In, but we, again, he brings it over here. It can know as it is, oh, look over here. Um, it can, yeah. Necho, uh, Chaser it's, it's lacking the, 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 um, the Yud. Hagam shebesvarim shalonu, even though, he says in parentheses, in our svarim, humole, it's with a yud, and therefore it means eyes. So as it is stated in Zohar, so it is with one yud. With one we have many, there are a few, a couple of differences between our text of Torah than the Zohar had. It says, So in our Chumash, it's written Kalos with a Vav. In the Zohar's version, it says, it doesn't say Kalos, it says Kalos without a Vav. So the Zohar says it means that the, the, the Mishkan is, Moshe, is, is to Moshe Rabbeinu like a Kala, like a bride. So you're reading it not Kalos when he finished, but by the way, Rashi also says that. And the Mepharshim wonder, Rashi says the same, had the same version like the Zohar, 
where it says kalas Moshe, not kalos Moshe. But in any case, for what is important over here, there is a pasuk that says, regarding Hashem, open your eye. It doesn't say eyes. Why? Because we're asking Hashem to look from a place where there is no criticism. There's, no, there's only kindness. Where it's all kindness. Okay. So now the Alter Rebbe is going to explain what does it mean when it says, Erdana, let me go down and examine the horrific cries that are coming from Sidon. Basically, what does it mean Hashem says, I'm going to step down? I'm going to go down. So he's... No, what does it mean? Hashem says, er, right before Hashem punishes Sidon, Hashem says, Erdana, let me go down and see if this is so and so. It's an interesting Lushan that Hashem says, I will go down. Hashem is everywhere. Hashem knows everything. What does this mean that he has to descend? So the answer, based on what we just learned, is as follows. As I mentioned earlier, there's many levels of tribunals that judge. The, the lower you go, the more impacted one is by the actual facts on the ground, and therefore the more, the more upset you get, the more critical you become. Uh, I give the muscle many times. A woman is home all day with her kids. They drive her crazy. And therefore, by the time at the end of the day, she has a lot of like, oh my, this kid did so, and this one deserves a pun. She's waiting for her husband to come home so she can like vent it all out and tell him which kids and what, where and when, all the crimes of all her children that they did by dinner and so on and so forth. Father comes home because he's detached, because he wasn't there, he's not. And it's not like he's not, he's not interested in hearing. He'll listen, but he'll find, he could find so much more um, patience and so much more, uh, you know, virtues in these. Why? Because he's not that entangled. He's not that because he's been outside of it. That's the, that's the beauty of, uh, of, uh, of two parents. Not, not only one parent, it helps out a lot of the situation. Having a view from a further and having a view from below. So when the criticism was coming, when God was hearing the news, so to speak, of how the behavior was happening in Sodom, and that Sodom is a horrible place and needs to be punished, Midas Hadin, the, the attribute of judgment, was criticizing. To which eye was it? it, it so where was it? Where was it? Um, where was it uh, accusing? It was bringing the accusations to the various different le- uh, it was bringing it in front of the ones who are in charge. Who's in charge? Hashem is in charge. The, 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 the system, the whatever. It was trying to evoke judgment and punishment. So Hashem is saying, well you know what? The same idea like David HaMelech says, Milfanecha, from before you, Mishpati Teitzei. Hashem says, of course, I can judge this and react and punish and destroy. But we're not going to do that. I'm going to descend myself, the very same place where David HaMelech says, Milfanecha, from, from you on high, where you're only kind, Hashem says, let me come down from that very, very lofty place, and, and from, from that, as we said before, place of complete detachment, where there is no criticism at all, where there is only kindness, let me examine it f- through the eye of kindness. 
And if in the eye of kindness I cannot find a justification for their, for their behavior, then I'll punish. In other words, Hashem was going to apply the kindest judge possible. He was going to apply judgment from the place where there is no judgment. Sodom was so corrupt that in the end they came out guilty even when Hashem brought in the most gentlest and kindest uh, observation. Obviously he's judging. It's not like he's not judging. He's sitting down to put on the, judge, the, 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 the hat of the judge. But his initial state of mind in which he's approaching it is going to be from the place that is not looking to find guilt. Quite on the contrary, he's interested in only finding to vindicate and to and to and from there he's going to look. That's the idea of erdana. Let me myself come down and and judge this. So let's read it inside. Um, the 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 uh, I didn't finish. Because on the higher levels, Hashem is completely kindness. As I said earlier, the lace smaller, there's no left. We go on to the next, the next uh, side over here. Bahi Atika, in this level of Atik Yom, and there's no, it's only kindness. When this is the meaning of Erdana, let me go down myself. Let me judge. Is it, is the cries that I'm hearing that is demanding punishment? Is it really that bad? Pidish tzakosa ha'inu, who is the cry? Ha'inu shalamakatrik, there is the prosecutor. There is the one who's standing and saying, these guys are really, really bad. They deserve punishment. Shamayla din stoyim. So the prosecutor that is elevating and bringing forth above Tahashem. The, 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 the crimes, it's presenting to Hashem the crimes of the people of these towns, umaseim, and their and their actions, haroim, their evil actions, lifnei Hashem in front of Hashem, ulifnei mihu tzayek in front of who is 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 he is the is the crying. In other words, it seems like the people of Sodom were getting away with bloody murder for a very long time, and now there was the the prosecutor kept on saying, "Hey, this has to stop. This has to stop." These people need to be held accountable. They need to be punished. Who are they trying to reach with their, with their cry of demanding judgment, demanding punishment? He says it can't be they were demanding judgment from the attribute of justice because the attribute of justice was on their side to begin with. What they wanted was that even though Hashem is running the world with compassion, that compassion too should realize how they don't deserve compassion. How corrupt they are, and how how so mihu tzayek kind of midas in front of the attribute of, of mercy kilamidas adin because to the attribute of judgment they don't have to cry out the, the the attribute of judgment is already is already on board Hashem's attribute of mercy is saying, take it easy, it's okay, let them live, they're not so bad, so on and so forth. But at this point, Midas HaRachamim itself said, and when we say Midas HaRachamim, we mean higher and higher and higher, to the highest levels of mercy, said, let me go down and judge it myself. 
and, and, and that's why he's crying, gam he that even Midasarachmim should agree to the punishment. Because if the sin, if the if the crimes that were done were so horrific, as a gamal even the Mida of, of Rachamim says that they need to be punished. From a higher place to a lower place. I'm going to come down with my eye of kindness, with my eye of compassion, and judge it from the most uncritical eye possible. The error, and I will see, I want to see, with my good eye, is the cry that is coming to me. Asa, is it really the way they're saying? Or maybe not. Maybe they're totally not seeing it. Maybe these people are born with tendencies of corruption. And maybe despite their tendencies of corruption, they're doing little acts of kindness. So therefore, you know, others might see how bad they are, but you, I can see the fine little, little bit of goodness and therefore it deserves... They, 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 you know, we, and you know what happened? says he says, Shaloi Kenhu. It's not like the prosecutor is saying. based on the eye of kindness, like we learned earlier, you can find a merit and that action itself. Like we said from the from the Bardichever, <laughs> in the middle of in the middle of 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 of, uh, of 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 doing their mechanical work, he still puts on his talus and his tefillin. Wow! Look at this amazing Jew. Or like a look at the Jew that is incapable of telling a lie. Right? When the Balditrevis saw someone smoking a cigarette on Shabbos, so the Balditrevis says to him, "I'm sure you don't know what Shabbos." So he says, "Rebbe, I do know what Shabbos." He says, I'm sure you don't know that smoking is forbidden on Shabbos. He says, Rebbe, I know that smoking is forbidden. So the Baditra said, Abishta, look at these amazing Jews. They're incapable of, of telling a lie. Now, this guy obviously is brazen, chutzpadeg. Even in front of the big the rabbi, he, he tells him, I'm kidding. And the Baditra sees, well, at least he tells the truth. He's not, he's not, he's not. So the Abishta says, Let me see, let me see from my eye. In the end, what happened? Even in the eye of the highest kindness, they deserved punishment. There was no justification. Okay, now we'll understand, and this is like so amazing, why Avram Avinu was speaking so, so disrespectful to Hashem. Avram Avinu says to Hashem, it is unbefitting to you to act this way. Hashem, the judge, you will act. We said, how can a human being speak to God this way? How does someone get away with this? And Avram did it, and he wasn't even punished. So here, the next part is a complete surprise. This no one would ever think of. So the Alter Rebbe says like this. Right after it says, Erdana, Hashem says, I will come down. It says immediately afterwards, Vayigash Avram, Avram approached. And Avram, be Avram begins to defend. Avram starts his... His advocacy for Sodom. Maybe you have 10 Sadiqim. Maybe, maybe you have 50. Maybe you have 40. Maybe you have 30. He's, he's, he's bargaining. What's the Vayigash? What does it mean? Yeah. 
Avram approached. He says an amazing thing. Avram Avinu, we know, is not just a tzaddik. He's not just a righteous person. He's a channel for the divine. The sages say, Chachamim say, Ha'avos hein hein ha'markava. The Avos, they are the chariot. What does he mean they're the chariot? What's a chariot? A chariot is like your car. Your car has no will of its own. Your car is a vehicle. It will only go where you direct it. It's almost like, especially today's days, it's almost like the car is an extension of your body. When you're sitting in the car, the car becomes you. And today's days with, with, with Bluetooth, it's even more that way. It's like, you don't know where you start and the car ends. It, 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 it's audio, you can talk to it, you can tell it things, and it's, and it's, it's following commands. Right? Soon with, with, drive, with cars, will be connected to your phones and the driving element as well. The tell it go right, go left. It's going to do it all, all this, the car and the person. It, but it doesn't have a will of its own. That's why when the cop gives, pulls you over for making an illegal left turn, it doesn't really work to say, well, I don't know. I don't know what happened. The car was just going that way. It doesn't work that way because if the car went that way, it's because you directed it that way because the car doesn't go on its own. So the idea of a vehicle means a being that has no will. The others were so devoted to Hashem to the point that they have lost all sense of independent will. They had no will of their own. Their only desire was God's desire. Almost to the point where they didn't feel any more desires. Whatever Hashem, Hashem's actual desire was felt in their heart. Now, but, we have three others. Avram was the channel, was the channel and the conduit for Hashem's kindness. So he actually felt God's kindness in his body. And Hashem desires to do kindness to everybody. So Avram Avinu was just that physical vehicle. In it wasn't like Avram, Hashem is kind, and Avram is imitating Hashem, and he also wants to be kind. It's not that. Avram's so plugged into Hashem that he ceased to be a human being. He becomes a channel almost like a divine being. Hashem's kindness is now invested and funneled through Avram Avinu. So hold on, we'll get to, okay. So Avram's kindness is Yitzchak is a channel for Hashem's attribute of judgment. Yaakov for Teferis, whatever. That's the idea of Markava. Now until this point, when Avram accessed godliness in which Avram was a Markava to, Avram was a Markava, a chariot, to the level of Hashem. Now, I know this is, a, for those who didn't learn Hasidus, this might be a little bit of a, a concept that we need to elaborate a little bit on, and that is that the relationship of Hashem to the world is multifaceted. Based on the concept where the Zohar says that Hashem fills the worlds, Hashem fills all of creation and Hashem transcends the creation and encompasses the creations. So there are various different levels of how Hashem is interacting with the creation. The lowest level of Hashem's interaction with the creation is called Shekhinah. That's the power of God that's actually vested and most directly engaged with the world. 
Shechina is the power of speech. And when Hashem creates the world, how does Hashem create the world? Through speech. So Shechina is the most imbued in creation. So when Avram and Yitzhak and Yaakov become channels for God, they became channels for the Shechina. They're operating their conscious, their, and they're downloading the Shekhinah energy in them. Fine. That's under regular circumstances. What happened at this moment when Hashem said, Erdana? The operation of creation was not happening from Shekhinah. Hashem himself said the more transcendental levels of God, called HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the more infinite levels, said at that moment, let me go down, let me get involved. Let me operate things not from Shekhinah, because Shekhinah is very judgmental. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu, who is infinitely kinder than Shekhinah, so to speak, is now descending. What did that do to Avram Avinu? Avram Avinu has very powerful Wi-Fi. So the moment... The Shekhinah is being now filled by a much higher level of Hashem. Hashem Himself is descending, so to speak, into the arena of creation. Avram Avinu's Wi-Fi starts beeping that there's a powerful download happening now from a far greater level of Hashem. He's sensing it in his neshama. And you know what he does? Avram Avinu, he ups his game immediately. Meaning, Avram Avinu now steps up to start becoming a channel, not for Shekhinah, but for HaKadosh Baruch Hu's energy. That means that he suddenly is feeling and be- identifies with the kindness of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, not of Shekhinah, but of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That's what it means, Vayigash Avram, Avram now approached. As soon as Hashem said, Erda, now, now this was right up Avram's alley. Because what did we say is the difference between Shekhinah and HaKadosh Baruch Hu? One of the differences is that Shekhinah is far more judge, judging. And we're going to see soon, the level of Shekhinah is called the Shofet, the judge. HaShofet Kola Aretz. That's the Shekhinah. The levels beyond that, as we said before, the higher you go, the less judgment there is, the more kindness there is. Since Avram is a man of kindness, the moment this powerful, kind influence starts influencing it was attracting Avram's neshama in a very powerful way so Avram Avinu steps up and he's now becomes the vehicle and the channel in which this kindness of HaKadosh Baruch Hu is now channeled in his heart simple what that in his mind and in his heart you know what that means that his thoughts that he is thinking in his physical brain are not his thoughts these are the thoughts of HaKadosh Baruch Hu that's being felt and sensed in the brain of a physical human being here. It's almost like Avram Avinu becomes the car, he's the vehicle. So his brain is now the, 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 the computer, so to speak, the physical computer where Hashem's ideas and Hashem's thoughts are flowing. So when Avram Avinu begins to chastise Hashem, and he says, the judge of the world is not going to do judgment. It's not him as a human being chastising. Who is talking? It's HaKadosh Baruch Hu talking to the Shekhinah. The Shekhinah runs operations usually. Because she is the most immediate. She's the one who runs operations. It's like the husband coming home, seeing his wife losing it. Screaming at the children. Running after them with a broomstick. Where he wants to do what? And the husband says, calm down. What's with you? 
She says, you don't know, you're not home all day. You know, it, uh, <laughs> why weren't you home two hours earlier? Right? Should have been here, see if the cat, she's upset. And he comes in and he's saying, calm down, relax. What's, you know, they don't deserve this, uh, whatever. This is what's happening over here. What's happening at this moment is Avram Avinu, Vayigash Avram, Avram steps up. As he steps up, he's plugging in to, and therefore, he's not speaking disrespectful, quite on the contrary. It's a Kaddish Baruch Hu telling the Shechina, Chalila what's with you? Is this the way you run the world? You do this all the time? You get angry like this? Maybe there's righteous people there. What do you mean you're going to wipe out everybody? Maybe there are righteous people over there. So when Avram is speaking, he's not speaking as a behalf of a human. He ceased to be a human at this moment. I mean, he was always a, char a chariot. But at this moment, he upped his, 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 his chariotness to facilitate a much higher level of, 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 of divine consciousness than he usually was at. Because usually the level, because Hashem is not usually in a state of erdana, usually Hashem is up here meaning farther away from the experiences of anybody that's within the creation. So even a tzaddik like Amram was not plugging into that lofty level because that lofty level was very lofty. But once Hashem said, Erdana, let me go down. What does that mean? He made himself accessible. He descended to a lower place, closer to, as we said before, closer to the operations of creation. Avram's neshama, because he's the channel, the vehicle for chesed, downloaded that immediately. And therefore, in this conversation with God, it's not even a human conversing. It's midas ha-chesed of HaKadosh Baruch Hu that Avram is now hosting, arguing with the Abishter. And therefore, when he spoke, Moshe Rabbeinu got punished. Because Moshe Rabbeinu was at that time when Moshe was challenging God, Moshe Rabbeinu was speaking as a human, asking Hashem, why did you do bad? Hashem says, you speak to me like that. But Avram Avinu was not speaking as a human. Avram was speaking from above, not from below. By the way, it's a lesson, because sometimes you find tzaddikim, you see with great tzaddikim, that they speak sometimes a little strong, they muster the abish there a little bit, and sometimes people think that if a tzaddik does it, I can do it too. You can be very careful. <laughs> You don't know where he is speaking from, what place he's in that is inspiring those words to speak that way to Hashem. The tzaddik is the tzaddik because he's in a different zone. That's, that's the toichen of what the Alter Rebbe says over here. Let's see it. He says, V'zehu she'omar miyad v'yigash Avram, Avram now stepped up. Ki Avram ho'yi b'bchenas markava. Avram was a chariot. V'zehu she'nosan lecho'y lahamalochim. Here's an amazing thing. He, he's saying, in a, he's, connect, he's explaining another interesting idea in the parsha. In the beginning of the parsha, Avram is feeding angels. Now we know that we humans usually don't feed angels. The opposite works. Angels feed us. What do you mean angels feed us? Because we're here in this physical planet. Hashem is the one who sends the hashpa down to the world. And when Hashem's hashpa comes down to the world, it goes through all the various chains of worlds and it passes through the angels. Malachim are called shluchei hashefa. So every time you eat a tuna sandwich, there were some angels who passed that sandwich down to you. I mean, in concept, they, they didn't actually take the tuna sandwich, but they're involved in all natural phenomenon. So if there's a fish and there's an energy in the world and there's a, these things growing, it has to do with the malachim. So they're the ones who channel the... 
So they're the ones who feed us, we're not feeding them. Why is Avram Avinu feeding angels? The answer is, because Avram Avinu was a chariot, Avram Avinu was higher than an angel. Angels are creations. Avram is an attachment to Hashem. See what I'm saying? Angels are created beings. They're not chariots. They are already separate consciousness. Avram Avinu eliminated, he was such a tzaddik, him and, him and Avram Yitzhak and Yaakov, they eliminated any sense of self. They passed, they erased any trace of I. There wasn't any I there, and they were filled just with God to the point that they became almost like the limbs of Hashem in this world. If Hashem had a body in this world, Avram was his body. If Yitzchak was his body, it actually says so. It says that once Avram Avinu was doing kindness, the midah, the, so it says in a medrash, the midas chesed of above said to God, why do you need me? Avram is around. That means that Avram Avinu is Hashem's kindness in this world. So now, he says, That's why he fed the angels, Michoel Gavriel, and he gave them to eat. Now, angels are also a Merkava, they're also a chariot. But in chariot itself, Nishamis are much higher chariots than Malachim. So therefore, they're in the external, Avram is a much deeper level of chariot than the Malachim. So therefore, he is feeding them. He is giving them hashpa. But oh, the malachim therefore were lower than him. So he was mashpia to the malachim. But to the shechina, remember at that time when Avram was was feeding the malachim, Hashem came to visit him too. The shechina visited him. So he turns to the shechina and he says, "Don't leave." What does that mean? I can't, even though I'm going to now be operating in what? I'm going to be downloading now. Usually Avram Avinu was a recipient. Okay, he's, he's a Markava, he's a constant recipient from Hashem. But now he is the bestower, he's, he's channeling. So he's telling Hashem, please don't disconnect me while I am now being mashpia. I, I want to remain attached to you. Okay. I don't want to be in a state of disconnect. Fine. But now in the beginning, in the beginning, meaning until this point of Ayera Elov Hashem, sorry, until this moment of Erdano, when Hashem says, I will come down, Avram was a Merkava, but he was a Merkava to what? To the level of Adna, which is Shechina. Makar the, the Shechina, the level of Adna, Aleph, Dalet, Nun, Yud, which is Hashem's name, that means master, that's the level of God that is most accessible to the creations. It's the source of the three worlds, Bria, Yetzirah, and Asiyah, which are three worlds which really summarize all of creation. The, so he was, he, was a, he, he was a Markava to this level. But after God says, Erdana, I will descend, which who is saying Erdana? Who is saying that? Shem Avaya is saying Erdana. Shehu Midas Arachmim, which is the Midas of Rachamim. Shanim Shachmal Maila Lamata Lirois, which is now coming down to see. Because Hashem says, I want to judge this for myself. The Pasik says, Avram approached. What does it mean he approached? Pirishanigash Vinneskarev Lipchina Shem Avaya. 
Avram Avinu elevated at that moment himself and got close to that descending light of Yudke Vavkin. Hamizgala that was then revealed. Ki Avramu, and why was he attracted? Ki Avramu isha chesed. Because Avram Avinu is the man of chesed. Umiyad bihi golois niglois pchinas midas chesed elyon. So right now when there is a new infusion of midas chesed, that a, there is a much higher kindness now being channeled, right, right above the cosmos. There is a much powerful, a, a higher level of chesed that is being exposed because it's descending. Midas chesed elyon, anikra havaya, which is called yudke vavke. Sha'amar Erdana, because it says I will descend. Ki Azai Nigash Avram, Avram Avinu approached the Kafat's Elov, and Avram leaped. He leaped up towards this new light, the Nasam Rakava Oz Elov. And then Avram Avinu, as we said before, upped his game, and now he was a channel to a much higher level within God Himself, to the levels of Akadish Barhu, to the levels of Yudke Vavke, which is higher than the name Aleph Talid Nun Yud. And therefore, that's why he's saying afterwards, how do you say to God, how dare you speak that way? What's it's like you would say to someone, it's, not, it's totally not befitting for you to do this. I mean, sometimes you can, you can ask someone, you, you, know, you go into someone who's a big, say, you don't say it's pastished, you know. Unless you are someone who has authority over that person. Because what he's saying is, And that's the secret. Avram Avinu wasn't saying his own words. Avram Avinu was speaking, he was the mouthpiece for Chesed Elyon, for the supernal level of kindness. Which to this level, Avram at this point was a chariot. That Midas HaChesed was speaking. So the one who's negotiating is not Avram negotiating. It's the Midas HaChesed from above that's negotiating with the lower levels that are in charge of operations. He's, and Oimer, who is he speaking to? Lepchenas Malchus. He's now speaking to the level that's much inferior to him. To the Midas of Malchus. Hanikra Shoifet Kala Oretz. Malchus is called the judge. What, is it, what does Avram say? Cholila lecha. How, 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 how unbefitting is it to you? Hashoifet kol ha'aretz. The judge of the world, lo yase mishpat, is not going to judge fairly? So we always see the story as a human being speaking up to God. Now we're learning it's the opposite. It's Hashem from above speaking down to the level called Shoifit Kalaaretz. The, the Shoifit Kalaaretz. How are you misjudging this? Shemalei Adinim. Now, why is Malchus called Shoifit Kalaaretz? Because Malchus is full of judgments. Melech, a king. Strict. Because we say also, there's a phrase in Halacha, Dina de Malchus Dina. The judgment of a, of a king is, is the law of the land is a law. But we use the term, the law of the land, we use the word dinim because Malchus is filled with dinim. You can't do this. Lisnag bedinim to conduct yourself with a way of judgments. Shuneged midas 
You're contradicting my kindness, not Avram's kindness. Yes, Avram. Avram as Avram is now higher than the Shekhinah. See what's happening? Avram is now on a level beyond transcending Shekhinah because the levels that are higher than Shekhinah have now merged with his Neshama because he's now a Chaniyatit and he's speaking, so to speak, to his wife. Shekhinah is called the wife. And he's telling her, don't do this. Ki habal, and that's why the Alter Rebbe concludes, ki habal because a husband is allowed to protest his wife. And even get upset at her. So therefore, the level of HaKadosh Baruch Hu is chastising the Shekhinah for being so intolerant. You have to judge the world far more patiently. The, the end result was that even HaKadosh Baruch Hu could not find any justification for for, for, the, for, the, for the atrocities of Sodom and Amorah, and they, were, and they were then punished. But here you see also how, how, un, how, um, how unfavorable it is above to bring any kind of calamity and destruction on humanity how resistant and reluctant it is that Hashem says, I'm not going to judge it from Malchus. I'm going to come down from above to look. Sometimes that's the reason why the most corrupt societies don't get punished because there's such an infinite compassion. Unless it reaches a point where even from that level, So how does it therefore work with tzaddikim? For the Jewish people, they try to evoke that Hashem should look from the very highest place. But for the wicked, they sometimes do the opposite. They don't want Hashem to look from that infinite compassionate because then the wicked can get away with murder. Which... It... it it's not, it's not so much, it's Hashem knowing these, there, is, there are different dimensions of operation. And tzaddikim are sometimes put in charge over which, what to expose, what, what aspect of Hashem's hanhaga is then, is then opened up, is then revealed. Tzadikim are meant, tzadikim are definitely meant to be involved in this. Especially since they're uh, put over here to be defenders of, the defenders of goodness and the defenders of the innocent and the defenders of the, uh, and therefore they, uh, they take a stand. But the interesting thing in this case is how he explains how Avram Avinu was not even um, operating over here as, as a, uh, as a tzaddik, he ascended beyond being a tzaddik. He, he was now already just a, 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 a voice. He gave voice and expression to the deliberations and to the, and to the, and to the thoughts of HaKadosh Baruch Hu speaking to the Shekhinah. Who would have thought?